most of us have seen the dark side of piety. I think what we see throughout church history is often these kind of pendulum swings that happen. Serving in our grace gifts and spiritual gifts is a form of piety. It's a movement of the Spirit in believers through the Word. Can't separate it. Welcome to The Lutheran Church Planter, a podcast exploring the theology, philosophy, and practice of planting new Lutheran congregations. I'm your host, Danny Coyle, Church Planter and Director of Home Missions for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, joined by my co-host and fellow church planter, Matthew Ballman. And we are right in the middle of a series on the marks of our AFLC, Free, Living, and Lutheran, these great big words that capture a lot of meaning. And we've already been hitting on the nature of that freedom. We've talked about the nature of the gospel and the reality of the, the congregation in our AFLC and just how those two work together. And uh, we're going to be jumping to the living section now and looking at piety and then mission and evangelism. And our special guest today is Pastor Bob Lee, a beloved longtime church history professor in our Free Lutheran Schools, as well as the former president of the AFLC. So welcome, Pastor Lee. Thank you. We are excited today to talk about piety, and I want to read kind of what we have here, our definition, and then jump into uh, learning more. So piety, by piety, we, we proclaim that God's spirit has been given to indwell his people, which cultivates a deep spiritual vitality and living fruit. And we seek to joyfully walk by the spirit, serving others with his grace gifts that he has given to each believer. So when we talk about piety, Pastor Lee, that's a huge word. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of baggage there from certain people. Could you just offer us a kind of a synopsis or a history of piety as it relates into the movement of pietism? It's a New Testament term. Uh, the Greek word eusebia, uh, translated usually reverence or, or godliness. Uh, interesting, the German word from, I mean, uh, which is the word for, for piety, uh, godly or devout. Could also mean, however, harmless and simple. <laughs> and so uh, you might want to ask Pastor Mundfram about that, <laughs> and uh, because his name means a pious mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm very uh, much aware, and recently from some of my reading, that Luther didn't like the word piety very much, hmm. and. Uh, I have a quote, <laughs> it's not the business of the gospel to make people pious, but to make Christians of them. Being a Christian is far more than being pious. A man uh, can be pious without being a Christian. A Christian has nothing to say about his piety. He finds in himself nothing good or pious. If he is to be pious, he must look elsewhere other than in himself for true piety. Huh. Uh, he identified the word piety with what they saw, I suppose, in the monasteries, in the religious movements of the time, mm -hmm. all of the prescribed actions, sure, the outward things that they would do, uh, and, and that would uh, define what it meant to be pious. Mm -hmm. And so he, he was afraid of that. And yet, the fathers of Lutheran pietism uh, loved Luther and his emphasis on the what they saw the subjective 
and his emphasis on the uh, priesthood of all believers, they, they, they drew their roots from that as well, as far as the movement is concerned. Uh, if we'd say, what does it mean today? To be pious should mean, in a good sense, uh, those who are devout in their faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> Luther's fear, those who hypocritically make a big display of their devoutness. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's always the, the danger of that word. Uh, most of us growing up in this type of a setting have seen the dark side mm. of what could be called pietism or piety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember being rebuked by a lady for one, watering a geranium on my back porch on Sunday. Mm. Uh, I never thought I would see a pastor <laughs> doing something like that. Sure. Uh, in one of my parishes, there was a bowling alley that was uh, kind of uh, south of town, and to drive to the bowling alley, you had to drive on the same street that led you to a bar. And a man in my congregation said, anybody who drives up that street uh. has canceled out his Christian testimony. <laughs> see, you know, so, so there... Uh, we had a, a man uh, come to our church, that same church, for a seminar on evangelism, personal evangelism, uh, home Bible studies, and so mm-hmm. on. And um, he said, I'll bet all of you have neighbors who aren't Christians. Have you ever invited them over uh, to your house? And uh, this one couple said, what would we do? <laughs> Say, well, just, uh, he said, Give them something to eat. Uh, yeah, they weren't so sure. Uh, but then it was, play a game. And then this man spoke up and he says, well, what if they want to play something with dice? See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, the way in which this man handled it, the leader, he said, do you know, he said, I'm going to change this just a bit in what I'm saying to you. I don't think you should invite anybody over, he said. <laughs> He said, I think you should pray for others who are doing this. Yeah, yeah. And he, he followed it through in that way. And these people didn't take it to heart, you know. They, oh, oh, yes, yes, that's good, you know, because we didn't, sure, didn't think we wanted anybody like that in our home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, um, we, we've seen over the years a, a dark side of piety and, and Luther saw it in all of the doings that you do that add up to being, <laughs> up to being pious. Huh? Uh, originally, it was looked on, when it was first used, as an insult, as a, as a swear word even. Mm. And uh, one of the fathers of Lutheran pietism, uh, Philip Jakob Spener, said, uh, don't let me ever hear any of you using that name to refer to yourself, mm-hmm. he said. But later on, it became accepted and uh, referring to people throughout the Lutheran countries, uh, various characteristics, uh, in, and we'll talk about that probably a little bit more going on. Um, I reread part of a book that the seminary published some years ago, Do the Work of an Evangelist. Mm, yeah. And it's, uh, it's written by Karl Wisloff. He was here on campus. He, his lectures were recorded, 
and then edited and published, uh, and Dr. Munseth led the way in that. Wisloff mm. closes with this account. He said, once after I had spoken on these things, and we'll talk about these things, yeah, I was asked if I considered myself to be a pietist. You perhaps remember that, Andy, yeah. He says, I'm afraid I do not have the right to such a high claim. Yeah. And this person said to him, no, you're a pietist, all right. <laughs> and Vislov responded, thank you very yeah. much indeed. See, I, I remember you saying that quote before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a good quote. Yeah. And that's a good book, by the way. Is it yes. still available? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. But I, I think there should be a copy in the hands of every seminary student. Mm. <laughs> it's a terrific book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do the Work of an Evangelist by Karl Vislov. So what do you think led or caused the dark side of pietism? Like, what's, what's underneath it? Like, why, why, well, why did that happen? The flesh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's difficult. Yeah. It, it seems like we want so easily want to turn grace into works, because mm-hmm. that's what we understand. Yeah. If a message is presented to us of what we're supposed to be doing, uh, we, we, we can handle that. Yeah. But, what, but when we hear the message of grace... Somehow that goes, that go, well, it does, it goes against our nature. Right. Sure. And we, we, turn, it into, we turn it into law. Yeah. Um, Vislov says, uh, and he lists five, what he calls the heritage of pietism. Okay. And I think we can identify with that. First, he says, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell richly mm. within you. Yeah. He said, that's where it begins, uh, coming to the Word of God. And he says, that includes a commitment to the Bible as the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. He said, that's very, very strong commitment at that point. Uh, and, and that's why, where some of the arguments come up when, when the authority of Scripture gets undermined mm-hmm. in that way. Secondly, he says, Lutheran pietists believe we are accepted by Jesus and adopted as his children in baptism. But a question must still be asked. Do you really belong to him today? Mm -hmm. And the evangelization of the baptized is a big thing. What does Jesus mean to you today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing, adiaphora, pietistic Puritans. (laughs) I think Vislav uses that term. And he says, overly interested in other people's behavior. (laughs) Uh, the adiaphora, uh, pietists don't do this, pietists mm. don't do that. Usually it's a don't do, right? more than a do-do, but uh, <laughs> a don't do very often, and uh, interested in what other people do. I use another example from years of ministry. In Valley City, the pastors met every Monday morning for volleyball, and we were given the use of the Catholic Church gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a while, I carried the key to it because the priest didn't play volleyball with us. And so we'd go there in the morning and I'd unlock and go in. And I mentioned that to a man in my congregation. And he said, he looked at me and he said, to me, that's equivalent to Peter warming his hands at the fire of the high priest's courtyard. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, <laughs> using the gym of the classic church for, for volleyball. See, the adiaphora, and, and when, when we get off on that, 
um, then, yeah, yes, there are things we say no to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are things that we maybe broader than what people even realize, but we don't make a big show of it and yeah. we don't choose to uh, set the standards for other people's lives right. as well. Right. That's, that's the third thing. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. That's, that should be our theme. Number four is missions. Hmm. And we kind of touch on, we'll get on this probably yeah. a little bit more. Yep. A devotion to calling people everywhere to repent and turn to Christ. Yeah. That's the heart of what missions is. And then finally, and not last and least, the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. Big thing. Yeah. Big thing in, the, in this whole heritage. And something, um, yeah, something that tends to be neglected in mm -hmm. church life today too, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So what, what is, as we think about, you know, fostering piety. Yeah. What, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in piety? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit is, is, is it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a movement of the Spirit in believers through the Word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, can't separate it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in, in Spener's sermon collection, Pia Desideria, he talks about more extensive use of the word, mm -hmm. use of the spiritual priesthood, knowledge is not enough, must have practice, disputation must be accompanied with prayer, love, and a good example. Theological education, not only the mind, and then sermons that feed people, mm. not lecture to them. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, with all sorts of impressive quotes. I, I used to say to the seminary guys, and some of them still don't follow it as I hear <laughs> them online, don't give a Greek quote in your sermon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, tell what it says. Don't yeah. don't try to. Uh, I, the only thing I can think of is impressing people with the, your vast knowledge mm. by that. Um, and maybe I'm being overly critical, which is a pietistic heritage too. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, just just keep it in English. <laughs> I never forget the lady who said to me when I said I need to check it in the Greek. She says I don't care what it says in other languages. I want to yeah. know what it says in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and so I left it there and gave her, gave her, and what she meant by the Bible was the King James, by the way. Sure. <laughs> so that was, that was good too. Yeah. And what, what's at the heart of all of this is the work of the Spirit. Yeah. Mm. Extensive use of the word, not as a, a scholastic exercise. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I remember the lady who said to me, yeah, I got an award once for all the Bible verses I memorized in church. And it sure did me a lot of good, <laughs> and apparently it hadn't, you know. Yeah, uh, the spiritual priesthood, led by the Spirit, mm -hmm. in in our relationship uh, to other believers, and 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 yeah, within within the body, uh, practicing, guided by the Spirit, so it isn't just knowledge, but mm -hmm. knowledge translated into life, mm. disputation, Spirit guided mm -hmm. disputation. Mm -hmm. Sp <laughs> Prayer, love, and a good example in yeah. that way. Say, I'm sorry, I disagree with you, uh -huh. but I still love you, you yeah. know, in that way. 
and all the way through these things, you, you, can't, you can't separate them mm -hmm. from the work of the Spirit of God. Yeah, so is, if we dive into that, maybe parse it out a little bit. Yeah. You know, because we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit here. Okay. Is this, can we create this in our life or, or, or can we hinder it? Or is, or are both of those statements true? Or which one, are, or are they false? Or like, is it interesting as, I, as we think about this, the work of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Because as you say, it is the Spirit's work. But I mean, can we hinder that? Can we stop it? Or can we like add to it? What's our role? We can hinder it. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we can hinder it, and by, by nature, we, we do. Give us some examples of how that happens. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, it's very easy for us to read and study the Word as an academic mm. exercise, mm. rather than prayerfully seeking the Spirit to work through the Word and do mm. His work in our lives. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of a concrete example mm -hmm. of that, where where God lays it upon my heart, something specifically that should be done, and, uh, and I don't do it. Uh, and I excuse myself from, from not doing it uh, for various reasons in that way too. Uh, it, and, and sometimes it, it's, it's hard to discern in that area too. But, but the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Spirit shapes piety. Yeah. Is that it? Might yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm just thinking of other things. Maybe Matt, you can jump into like what, what are things that we can do that hinder? And and you mentioned the Word of God, and, and you mentioned the nuance of the Word. It's not even just not reading the yeah. Word, but reading it with a pure intellectual pursuit. Yeah, and and I love that nuance there because, you know, an easy answer is well, just don't read the Word, but yeah. which is obvious, <laughs> but but reading it with without inviting the Spirit. Teach me the yes, word. Teach me. Totally different. Yeah. Well, what are some other ways? Maybe Matt, again, you got any ideas, Matt, on how we can hinder the work of the Spirit of God in our life? Yeah, I think you know Paul. Saint Paul talks about this that um, put to death that which we Colossians three right bring to life and put to death, and he kind of talks about this this idea what is it put to death those things that are old man that want to come up right sexual immorality idolatry drunkenness, um, greed, whatnot. Well, what's it mean to put them to death? I think that's kind of at the root of your question there. It means to turn away from them, right? It, it, means, it means to recognize that when those are at work in our life, to turn from them, repent from them, and ask the Spirit to um, help us to bring to life those other characteristics that only the Spirit of God can do. So can we, yeah, I mean, to, this is what's so interesting to me. I mean, and Pastor Lee, I love, I love everything you shared here. I'm, when I talk to people about like, oh, you know, I'm a part of the, you know, Lutheran pietistic tradition, and there can be some, some, mostly just in Lutheran circles where there's some, um, you know, baggage with that. And, they, you know, kind of this by default negative view of it. And I, and I always like, man, how, how do you read any of Luther's sermons? And you kind of started with the Luther quote, but we would agree with that quote. Right, like what Luther was, yes. what he was going after there, we would say 100%. We agree with that, right? Yes. And I, yes. and I want to say, like, I think as Pietists, we have we can lay better claim to, to Luther and his approach to the spiritual life than those who want to reject Pietism out of hand. That I guess that's kind of my as a kind of historical theologian. Like, I feel like he falls more in our camp in some ways. <laughs> yes. Than, than yes. those who only want to focus on 
you know, well, this, your heart doesn't really matter. Just do the right thing, right? Just do the right yep. thing. That's all that matters. Go through the motions. That's all that matters. No, God wants our heart. And, and I think, I because when it comes to where Luther falls on that, I would say like, man, I think he's squarely on our side. Again, yep. not the abuse parts of it, but the work of the Spirit within our life. I don't know how we don't see, make that connection. And our, our forefathers thought the same. The, the founders of Lutheran pietism uh, believed that they were drawing this from the writings of, of Luther. There was no disconnect there in any way like that at all. Yeah. I have a friend right now who is uh, finishing a book on the subjective side of Lutheran theology. Mm. And he wants me to read it at some point, and I'm very interested to seeing what uh, uh, it, it, the fathers of Lutheran pietism saw that they believed that Lutheranism had become locked in to uh, doctrinal disputes and so on, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, that the, the life wasn't there, and the life in the congregation wasn't there. Mm. Uh, Lutheran pietism began confirmation. One of the first things that Spener did mm. was to start confirmation instruction. The mm. second thing that he did that would tie into it was small group meetings. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and that's also very much a big part of, of the heritage. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, as we've been in each of the marks that we're talking about, we're trying to identify them, but then also see how they relate to the other ones. Yeah. And see, like, because we, nothing good happens when we sort of isolate these disconnect piety from the word, disconnect it from the gospel, disconnect it from the congregation, disconnect it from word and sacrament. That's not good. Or if we take word and sacrament, we disconnect it from piety or disconnect it from, the, you know, each one, it all, they all go together. So maybe we, let's pursue that a little bit here. As we look at piety, how does, how does piety connect to the life of the congregation? Mm. And I know you've already mentioned the priesthood, and we're going to kind of get into grace gifts and spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and serving others, and mm-hmm. that's part of it. But, but even the, the formation of piety, how does the formation of piety connect with the life of a congregation? Yeah. Cer- certainly, uh, the role of the pastor in his ministry is, is really very important at that mm. point, because he can squelch it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> in that way too. Uh, uh, his um, encouragement of it, the uh, the life of a congregation. I think the mission emphasis that's there. Yeah, in the life of that congregation at home and abroad. Uh, one of yeah. You're going to talk about missions well, after a bit yeah, here? And, yeah, and maybe I'll just pause you right there. Yeah. The first thing you said about the role of the pastor, yeah. uh, that's really significant. Yeah. As I was thinking about that, as you say, because we, man, are in our preaching and teaching office, if we're not talking and encouraging and speaking directly to our people about their life with God yeah. and their walk with the Lord, and yes. uh, by default, if we're not doing that, I mean, in many ways, we are squelching. Yes, you know, because we're not encouraging that. So that's it's a great encouragement for us, for all of our, our pastors that are listening to be intentional about this and yep. intentionally seek to foster the individual spiritual life in our people. It's a great great reminder for me. And yeah, we were going to get into missions yes. in another episode, but how else? I think that uh, one my first summer preaching, uh, someone said to me, "Pray through the." list of the members of the congregation and see how the Lord leads. 
And uh, I did that, started doing it, and I, a name came to me and uh, just laid on my heart. Drove to his place. He says, I've been waiting for you. Huh. <laughs> it was just such an affirmation mm. of, of the, yeah. the connection of prayer to the people to whom I was seeking, seeking to minister. Mm. Uh, the leadership of the pastor in praying for the flock, uh, praying for them, uh, yeah, uh, mm. not in general, but down the line like that, I, th I think is wonderful too mm. and, and important uh, to, where they become and their needs and, and their, their walk with the Lord becomes uh, very personal to you as well in that way. Mm -hmm. I, I think the, the pastor encouraging uh, lay involvement in every way possible, uh, and, and uh, that would be, you know, in, uh, I suppose, things in the service, but uh, uh, the, the leadership. Uh, the one parish I served the deacon position was virtually non-existent. Hmm. The trustees ran the, ran the parish. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, the deacons, and one man told me, uh, was uh, an honorary office given to older people who were kind of useless. That's what he felt it was. Uh, with the nominating committee, I think that's a very important pastor working with the nominating committee and talking about scriptural qualifications for these positions mm, in yeah. that way too. And I ended up, uh, by the time I left that parish, with a group of praying deacons. Mm, one, yeah. one man said to me, uh, he was a deacon, and he said, I agree with what you're saying. But he said, I really am not qualified. Mm. He said, don't make an issue of it right now. He says, and when my term is up, I'll just step out. That's, huh, <laughs> and, and I believe he was, he was a Christian. I, I'm not questioning his faith, but he, he felt that he was not qualified for a position of spiritual leadership mm. in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So working in that way, uh, developing a, a core the pastor will work with within the congregation, a praying core, a leadership core, and making use of them. Uh, when I went to the, uh, the Helmer Congregation in Illinois, uh, I came in like first of January, first of the year, I guess. And chairman of the congregation, after a little bit, said to me, um, uh, have you got things planned for uh, Good Friday? And I said, I don't know about Good Friday. What, what is that? Well, he said, we have uh, afternoon service, he said, where we have the seven last words of Christ. And I said, well, that's wonderful. I said, <laughs> and, he, and, and he said, and you picked the speakers. I said, it's all lay preachers. Yes, yes, all men, men from the congregation to preach for that. And uh, so I said, well, you're going to have to tell me who did this in the past then to, so I know who to, who to ask. Mm -hmm. And so they started listing off names. My predecessors had done an incredible job of encouraging lay preaching. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so my goal was I would have six who had done it before and every year have one new one mm -hmm. introduced to it. And so I would keep that number growing and met with them, worked with them. You know, uh, some of them didn't need any help. Mm -hmm. Some of them did need help in that way. The guy I asked the first year said, uh, oh, I was afraid of this. He said, I had said to my wife, you know, Pastor Lee is new and everything. Uh, 
If he asks me to do something, I'll say yes, except if he asks me to preach on Good Friday. <laughs> but he said yes. He had never done that before, mm -hmm. and I worked with him very closely. He did a fine job. And I, I thought this, this was an incredible thing yeah. that in the heritage of that congregation in the mm. past, right. building, building on it for the future <laughs> in that yeah. way too. So I think that's a really good transition to think about the relationship between piety and the use of our spiritual gifts. Okay. So let's draw that out a little bit and see like, what is that connection and, and what does that look like in the congregation? Yeah. I'm always leery about spiritual gifts tests. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and maybe yeah. if you disagree with me on that, I still love you and I'm not <laughs> going to condemn you and everything like that. Uh, but some of them kind of make me groan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if that's a good way mm -hmm. of discovering your spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a better way is praying about it and trying something. Mm -hmm. And maybe when you try something, it's not going to work really good. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that the people who've taken the tests have ended up trying something that worked always really well for yeah. them either, mm -hmm. you know, right. in, that, in that way. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, enough of that. All yeah. right. But, uh, yeah, uh, and, and noticing things in people. Um, uh, as a pastor, as you get to know them, qualities that are there, Encouraging the use of, of gifts that are there by nature even, but uh, developing it in various ways. Um, yeah, I, I think my church council meetings were really important for that mm -hmm. in working with that group of elected people. Uh, I, I remember one year where someone was nominated as trustee, and a lady spoke up and she said, oh no, she said, don't waste him on that. He's deacon material. <laughs> so, so they had kind of an idea, you know, of, of the importance of that office in that particular, mm -hmm. in that particular congregation. Yeah. Uh, the qualities, wasting him, I think was unfortunate. You know, it sounds like anybody who, but it, right. wasting his particular gifts in that way, the recognizing of that. Teaching spiritual gifts, um, I've done that on a limited basis. For a while, that was the fad. Yeah. And everybody had, uh, one, one Baptist pastor told me, uh, he said, I just come into his new congregation, he said, and uh, he said, I've gone through the spiritual gifts with them. And he said, they were so excited about it and so interested, and I didn't have the heart to tell him his predecessor had done the same thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just it was just repeat, repeat, yeah. repeat. Um, but there is some teaching that can be done in that way. Yeah. And through a midweek Bible study, uh, e even I suppose, yeah. I, I'm see. I, I like to keep with the gospel lessons. I, yeah. I do that. But um, maybe in our preaching as well, mm -hmm. uh, some of our churches have special services that would be opportunity to use some of those mm -hmm. things midweek. Yeah. You know, and things like yeah. That. So. So would it be fair to say then that serving in our grace gifts and spiritual gifts is a form of piety? Yes. Yeah, and I th I'm just wondering if that's a disconnect for some people, because if we think piety is 
well, I, I pray and I read yeah, the Bible yeah, yeah, and yeah. whatever. So it's but all just me personal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's really a corporate aspect. Yes, like our yes. piety is really for our neighbor. Yes. It's mm. for our, the people in the church. Good. And I think that's a really important thing to draw out more and more of this relationship. Yeah. What other aspects of piety are worth being brought out here? And it's a huge topic, right? It's just even how, to, how does the Lord foster that? You know, we talk, obviously it's work of the Holy Spirit and we can hinder it, but what are the ways in which the Spirit of God fosters and creates and nourishes piety in our lives? The ways, yeah. <laughs> um, through the Word, the working of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. In the fellowship as well, mm. in the fellowship mm-hmm. of, of uh, like-minded believers. Yeah. That's always always a part of it too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, well, the role of the congregation, just how- It's, it's just so important yeah. that way too. Yeah. And I think our people, even even now, as you know, post the last couple of years of just people disconnecting themselves from the, the public gathering, um, yeah. it's just their- they're missing so many things. Yeah. Uh, but that, that connection between not only are they missing other people's gifts, but then they're missing their gifts. Yeah. And uh, just how important that is in their own lives, spiritually speaking, the, the role of the congregation. Um, it's a hard one for me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at my age. Yeah. And uh, caring for my wife at For home. sure. Yeah. And I, I miss the congregation. Mm. Uh, and I'm not always able to go on Sundays uh, because right. of the situation at home. Yeah. But uh, that uh, the congregation, the mm-hmm. life of the congregation, has been such an important part of of my yeah. of my life in Christ and my walk with mm-hmm. the Lord. And and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, that uh, yeah. So as we think about fostering piety, you know, we've talked about congregation and a few other things. Let's think specifically, how, how do the sacraments uh-huh. connect yeah. to piety? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly I've already mentioned baptism, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that's something that we honor and that we recognize God's working through it, and to uh, come to a uh, personal experience of faith in Jesus Christ and commitment to him is really a return to our baptism. Yeah. In that, in that same way, and, mm-hmm. and to recognize. And it, it's been interesting over the years to people who uh, talk about a pretty uh, dateable experience where uh, we'll talk, but you know, there was something going on before that time too, <laughs> in that way. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's good. Uh, the Lord's Supper, I love a communion service, and so I will... Um, play my own violin here at this time, my own song. Um, I've always been less comfortable with it being tacked on as an addendum on the end of a Sunday morning service. Mm. Um, and, uh, and that was not our heritage. Um, when I came to Helmer Church, they never served communion on Sunday morning. Mm. It was always a Sunday evening service that was a communion service. Then the council said, could we occasionally have it on Sunday morning? Because it's harder for older people to get out sometime. But that was very much a part of their evangelical heritage. Um, maybe, maybe we have uh, sometimes, well, I would say in the early years of the AFLC, four times a year, 
probably was the norm. Wow. Probably, yeah. Uh, and that, that wasn't unusual. Um, one of our retired pastors now said to me recently, I am so uneasy with every Sunday communion because somehow he said that seems to be your response, your response to the message you've heard and so on in that way. And um, he said, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be thought of in that way. And, and to just simply have it there without the explanation and so on in that way, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat uneasy with it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that maybe is more my problem of getting used to it than, than everything. Uh, the, it should be a meeting with Christ. It should be a, a nurturing, a nourishing yeah. of our walk with him in yeah. that way at, it, at its best. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember uh, a lady once at the communion rail looking up and saying to me, Oh, this is good. <laughs> ah, that's that's yeah. beautiful. And, and beautiful, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor Dennis in Bethel Park, when he served communion, was so personal because he had been pastor there for 100 years, you know, <laughs> and he would call people by name mm -hmm. as he'd go through, as he'd serve them communion. Very personalized. And if there was some special need, oh, Mary, you, you've got surgery coming up. We're going to stop and pray for you right mm. now, you know. It was very much that, and it, it, they didn't worry about the passage of time. It, it, and, yeah, somehow that it just doesn't become routine. Yeah. 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 Okay, does that, am I, am I wondering? Yeah, yeah, I think, well, you're, you're touching on a number of issues that yeah. I think all relate to that. Yeah. But, like what you said at its best, it's nourishing, it's meeting with Christ. Yes, yes. Which of course, is going to foster and work piety in our lives yes. and the work of the Spirit. And, and, and that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Matt, maybe I'll ask you a question. Um, you know, as we see in our congregations, we, are, we, we love when we go to a congregation and there's just a pal palatable joy. Mm. There's a palatable feeling of the work of the Spirit of God. How does that connect with piety? Yeah. As opposed to going into a congregation that just feels... Ugh, stale or just like dead. Mm. How does piety connect with the actual feel of a congregation? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think in some ways, you know, this is the value of church history is we, we get to hopefully not only stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before, but learn from their mistakes <laughs> and from what they yeah. have done done well. And, I, you know, I think what we see throughout church history is often these kind of pendulum swings that happen, right? And we have to even be honest with our own history and say, okay, are there pendulum swings that are happening here? Um, I, I want to be real careful about like the feeling aspect of it because, I, you know, you could go into a, a very high energy, non-denominational church. And often what do people say? Like, oh, the spirit of God was there, right? Like I just felt mm -hmm. like it was so mm -hmm. spirit filled. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, you go to, to, you know, one of our churches and compare it to, you know, this really high energy church and our church is going to seem like it's, you know, dead. Like there is no spirit there. What are you talking about? So, yeah. so my point there is that there, it, it can be relative. Like when we start talking about experience mm -hmm. and feeling and how do we know the spirit of God is there? That, that's, sure. that's what we got to be real careful about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's possible to have all the emotions. You could have a church, you could have a church full of a thousand people and they're so excited to be there and they can all, oh, God is moving and God is powerful and we love God and we're crying and worshiping God. And yet they all walk out of there. And on one hand, like, oh, is that piety? 
Is that the spirit of God moving? Well, maybe, <laughs> or maybe mm-hmm. it's, that was a really dynamic uh, preacher or that was a really powerful yeah. worship team. Right. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I guess in that, I want to be careful about like, there is a very human reality and element to, especially when we get together and have gatherings, whether it's in a small setting or a large setting is that we are not um, only measuring based off the experience of it, right? Yeah. That seems like a key, a key thing there. But, but uh, hopefully, right, where the Spirit of the Lord is, like there is going to be freedom, there's going to be peace, there's going to be love, there's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. So if a person walks into church and they don't experience any of that among, from the other people, from the other congregants— Okay, maybe maybe that's a problem, right? Maybe they need a they got they're keeping yeah. their fruit in the refrigerator and they need to open it up and put it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that they're not Christians, it's just hey, you need to you need to uh exercise that fruit. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you say uh Pastor Lee to that? I think there's something that can be felt. Uh I have an example. Uh I was uh, a guest speaker in a church and uh, came in, and uh, people sitting there just kind of, you know, very down, discouraged kind of a feeling about the whole situation. Uh, and in the process of preaching, they warmed up. Hmm. And there was, there was a change, hmm. a, 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 something that I could feel a difference. Yeah. Afterwards, the pastor said to me, could you feel that? And I said, what? He said, the change. Hmm. Could, you fe- could you sense that? I said, yes, I could. He said, that doesn't happen when I preach here. Hmm. Huh. And he was on the outs with the people, and that was probably a big part of it. There, was, there hmm. were some hard feelings within the congregation, the rest, whatever it amounted to. I don't remember any of the details. But he said, that doesn't happen when I preach. Hmm. Uh, but it, it was, it was such a, such a, a feeling <laughs> yeah, yeah. that you could, you could sense the difference from the beginning of the sermon to the end of the sermon. We, we get this sometimes and, and, and that's that, that, yeah. Um, one congregation, I would say just a warm hearted group of people that weren't real good with visitors mm-hmm. and part of the visitors thing was they sat in the back and got out first. Mm-hmm. The visitors did. And the active people, they were involved sitting, visiting with one another afterwards, and they, mm-hmm. they loved one another, and it was warm, and it was cozy, and somebody would come there as a visitor, and they'd say, very cold. Hmm. And I, I tried to address that. I said, uh, first place, try to get these visitors up front. But the other thing is you get back there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you get back there and connect with them. Mm-hmm. And, and one Sunday there was there in that church an elderly man who said, uh, it's good to be back. And um, he, uh, he, and I had not realized he was gone. He had been gone for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And so at the... Next deacon's meeting, I said, there was a man in church last Sunday who's been gone for two weeks, and he was back. Hmm. Who was he? I said, I didn't know. Do you Uh know? 
And I said, you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was a lesson to me and I think a lesson to our leadership within the congregation as well, to let people know that they're missed and not just taken for granted. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was just a quiet guy who always came by himself, sat there by himself, you know, uh, never, mm -hmm. never said anything <laughs> yeah. like that, but very much a part of what, mm -hmm. of, the, of the worship uh, of the church. Did. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's a feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking like just the kind of the ground of the conversation of the, that question was, and you, you said the word warm, and I think that's a really good word. And uh, I've heard that word used a lot, you yeah. know, just but this spiritual vitality, this, you know, the, the fruit of the spirit at work in the life of, the, of, of God's people, that it does, it does produce something. Yes. And there's a warmness and a peacefulness and a joy. I think that's maybe a word that I love, a joy, a deep spiritual joy that is, that is there. And, uh, and that, that is, you know, piety in action. It's piety in motion. It's the work yep. of the spirit of God in the congregation through all the different ways in which he cultivates that. And, and, uh, and so any, any final words on piety before we, we wrap up for today? One, uh, hymnody. Yeah. Hymnody. Uh, hymns are very much a part of my piety. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife and I sing through hymnals every night, yeah. uh, new, huh. a new one every night, and uh, get reacquainted with some hymns and so on. She can't sing anymore, but she can hum mm -hmm. in that way. And uh, you can tell if it's one that's familiar to her, she's humming along with, with it like that too and remembering it and different ones she associates with different things in her life Sure. Uh, so yeah, the, the hymns, yeah, very much an expression of, of and, yeah. and were written as an expression yeah. of piety. Mm -hmm. There's a whole new world of hymnody today mm -hmm. that isn't a part of my piety. Sure. Yeah in that way too. And I think we need to be understanding of that yeah. uh, as uh, individuals in both right. directions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the power of music. Yeah. Absolutely. Music. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Matt, you got a final thought? I mean, two words that kind of come, come to my mind is expectation, that we have an expectation that the spirit is living and active within yeah. us as individuals and within the church. Like that, that seems like a big mark of pietism that we desire to see in our churches. Um, but also like not just an expectation, but then a intentional sensitivity. And Pastor Lee kind of has talked about this a couple times, alluded to it, but a sensitivity. Like, and I, I, I feel like in this conversation, sometimes we can be so afraid of the possible, oh, where could it run off the track that we don't want to mm -hmm. talk about it, right? Where is this going to take us? Therefore, we're just not going to do it at all. Well, no, maybe, maybe it is good to say, expect that the Spirit of God is working and that the Spirit may... Uh, be laying something on your heart that you need to be willing to respond to, right? To go talk to somebody mm -hmm. or to um, serve somebody in this very specific way. Like, I think that's, that's expectation and like that sensitivity is uh, the two words that kind of come to my mind thinking about pietism and, and what that looks like in our lives. Yeah, that's really good. One more thing from my notes, my tremendous notes here that I didn't share. Pietism defined as a movement emphasizing the experiential in Christianity, dependent on the Bible, and the first is kept in check by the second. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> the subject of kept in check by the objective. Yeah, I yeah. love it. There we go. Yeah, you know, as we think about planting congregations and fostering church planting and even fostering revitalization, this, this aspect of piety is so vital for us as we consider that. So thanks for joining us today. We'd love to 
have your help again with this podcast. Share it with your friends. Uh, subscribe to it. Leave reviews. Um, if you're interested in exploring church planting within the Free Lutheran Church, we'd love to visit with you. Contact us at aflchomemissions.org. See you next time. <laughs>